Welcome to another episode of the Physical Jacks and Financial Stack podcast. Today, I've got uh, Gavin McHale, who is a high-performance mindset coach, specifically helping some of the best entrepreneurs in the world, myself included, who's helped. Um, he's also part of Craig Valentine's team, has a plethora of knowledge in the world of mindset, also wearing an 11 out of 10 hat, which sets the attitude in terms of what it's about. So thank you very much for your time. So yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I I can't help but laugh at the amazing name of this podcast. Like I'm just I'm all in on the podcast name. It took me a long time to come up with that. I was like, what's the the two things that I I embody as being like successful, like business financially and like physically in shape. I actually had this conversation with someone today, and I was like, I think it would be difficult if you had a million dollars in your bank account and you were in like the top one percent shape in the world. To be unhappy yeah obviously people would be but like you'd have a lot going for you right like those are like the indicators that i heard this recently like those are the indicators that you're living life you know the right way i guess you could say like like you're you know you're you're doing the things on a daily weekly monthly basis that you need to do to be as healthy as possible physically and financially like i you know and then obviously the way your body looks and feels and the way your bank account looks and feels are indicators of that. So I, I would agree with you. I would strongly agree with you. Interesting. You pulled me on something before we went on there, a change in my attitude from when we were first spoke. Yes. Yes. Well, so it's, let's give it some context for the, for the folks uh, tuning in here. So you were working with Craig and uh, I think you sent back like a weekly email and, and so I'm wearing the 11 out of 10 hat and I think you said it was like a three out of 10 week or something. Is that right? Yeah, it was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. You, you know, and, and you still had like great sales and you still like, you know, on the surface, everything looked good, but you were just being so hard on yourself. You know, this, like you said it was like a three out of 10 week or whatever. And so Craig was like, you need to talk to Gavin. And so we jump on a call and I think what I noticed then, and, and I'll, the difference between what I noticed then and now is now there's this like calmness about you, you know, even just jumping on the call, it's, it's not so, and maybe that's because we know each other a little better, but it's not so um, serious. And like, I have to be crushing it all the time. Like I think so many entrepreneurs and you're just the perfect embodiment of that are just so hard on themselves. Like they think that they have to push so hard all the time. And then they kind of get into this mentality where like, I, I always have to be looking for the things I'm doing wrong, which then leads to this, you know, two out of 10, three out of 10, my, my week was terrible when, when really it was a great week. And that's what this 11 out of 10 hat embodies is like, you can choose to look at your situation in whatever way you want to. And then you even said something to me, like within two minutes of us being on the call that like, you just choose to shift your perspective around the way you look at things, right? So even if something quote unquote bad happens, you're like, oh, I just choose to like shift my perspective and look at the lesson in that. There's something so powerful about that. Like there's something that as entrepreneurs, like, and business owners, like things are going to, things are going to happen, right? You're going to have the highs, you're going to have the lows. That's a non-negotiable in business. But can you pull yourself out of the lows as quickly as possible? Can you use the quote unquote lows as lessons 
And I think that's what I realized from, I think we talked maybe three, four months ago to now. That's what I've really realized is as the shift in you. And then, you know, you just like when you embody those things and you start to act and live that way, you can just be more calm and more, I guess, I guess we could say happy just in general. It's funny you say that. So like one of the habits I have is um, I write down like my business and personal goals of like the week or a month and I have them on computer screen. And then one of the most little parts of then is actually be kind to yourself because often mm. I give myself shit verbally all the time about you don't work hard enough, you're not grinding enough, you're not moving forward fast enough and so on and so on. But and then when you get into that mindset, it becomes a, a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because you almost put yourself in that state. A hundred percent. This is, this is what so many people need to understand about the way our brain works. The self-fulfilling prophecy is like the, the heart of the way that our brain works. Okay. So it's like, if anyone's, you know, the most popular stuff around this is, is the secret, the book, the secret and things like that. But this is like real scientific research at this point of quantum physics, which means, and quantum science, which basically says that what you think about is what you get, right? So the way that you think then affects the way that you act, which then affects the outcomes that you have, right? So if you think I'm not good enough or I'm not moving fast enough or whatever, or you're constantly giving yourself shit, your brain is actually going to look for those, like for um, evidence to prove that. And then you're going to take actions to prove that because as humans, we don't want to have cognitive dissonance. We, we don't want to have any difference between what we believe in and what we do and see. Like our brain tries to reduce that, that distance, right? So our brain is actually going to go to work on problem solving on why we're a piece of shit, why we suck, why we're not good enough, which of course, like doesn't serve you, doesn't serve your business, doesn't serve your clients. So if we can shift the way that you, you know, like you said, be kind to yourself. If you can shift some of that language, look, it's going to happen, right? These are 30 year patterns that we have, right? It's going to happen. But if we can catch it and shift it into something that serves us better, then we're going to be able to, like I said, make better decisions. Um, and if you stack better decisions on top of one another every day, every week, every month, that adds up. And we're going to be able to um, come from a from a better place when we're when we're taking actions in our business. And so I think that's like it's as simple as that. And so one of my favorite sayings is that thoughts become things. And and that's exactly it, right? Thoughts become things, and like people, you know. People just have such a hard time recognizing this. Like, I'll I'll give you a, a perfect example. I have uh, one of my clients. Uh, she was emailing me today, and she's really working on, um, like, seeing evidence that she is good enough, that she is enough. Like, she's working on building up her confidence, right? And you got to understand, like. This isn't, these aren't people that are like really, really struggling. Like I work with people who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars who need this work. So it's important to recognize no matter where you are in your business, like you should be doing this type of work. But anyway, she's working on her confidence. And she said, um, there's a couple, like she was sharing some wins and she said, I actually, you know, I actually did that thing that I said I was going to do. And I was like, I just want you to note your language. Like, I actually finally did it. Like, what do you mean you actually did it? Like, of course you did it. 
you know, when we, we put these little words in and these little pieces of like these language pieces that are kind of like taking away our own power, right? It's like, well, I actually did it. Or, you know, um, those things where it's like, of course this happened to me, right? That's such a thought becoming a thing, right? Where it's not serving you in any way to be like, of course this bad thing happened. What would be so much better is like, let's get curious about it and be like, well, I wonder why this thing happened that I didn't really expect or that I didn't really want to happen. Then we can start to ask the right questions. Then we can start to shift our mindset around it. Mm. I think um, an interesting thing I've thought of when you said that about the $100,000. Do you think in some respects people actually struggle a little bit more when they have more success? <laughs> I think, um, yeah, sometimes. Um, sometimes the success, well, what I notice around success is that a lot of times people will have lots of evidence, right? So, so let's say someone has made $500,000 in a year. We're really good at saying like, oh yeah, like that was because of that thing. And like, and like taking away our own power. It's this whole, like be humble thing, right? Everyone's like, you got to be humble. You know, I don't know anyone who played sports, right? I was always told like, deflect, always push it to your teammates. You know, it wasn't me. It was my teammates. The team played a really good game, all that stuff. And then we start to really, we bring that into like, we kind of embody it, right? We internalize it. It was just like, oh, it's always, whenever we do something good, it's always external. Whenever we do something bad, it's always internal, right? But what if we internalize the good stuff and just bragged a little bit? Like, there's nothing wrong with like, you know, obviously we don't want to like go around saying like, I'm the greatest of all time and everybody else sucks. But I think we need a little bit of Muhammad Ali, you know, just like a little bit of bravado, right? The right amount of bravado never hurt anybody. You, can, It's a delicate line, but especially when you're working on your own mindset, like when when you're not sharing this with other people, like in your journal and things like that, like giving yourself kudos and saying, I'm proud of myself for that. I, I did that. I made that sale. I helped that client get that great result. Um, that's going to start uh, helping you see the positives and, and like helping you see the reality because right. Like let's, let's just take this right back 10,000 foot view if you created a six-figure business, even if you created a business that makes a thousand dollars a month, that was nothing before. That, that was like literally a thought in your head before. It's absolutely incredible that people create these things out of nothing. And like, can we get back to just like taking a second and recognizing how amazing that is, you know? And so someone, I actually had a client, he's a real estate investor. And this guy was making like, I think a couple, you know, he was on pace, like he kind of had a run rate of a couple million dollars a year. Um, he had like a real estate investing and then real estate investing coaching. And like, he'd always talk to me about things, but it was almost like straight face deadpan. Like I couldn't, I couldn't get any emotion out of him. And I just stopped and I was like, dude, do you realize what you're doing? Like, do you realize how, like two years ago, this guy was a teacher and he took a sabbatical and decided to start investing in real estate. He's like 25 years old and he's absolutely crushing it. But I think he still had this mentality of like, got to stay humble. I'm a young guy. Got, you know, and it's just like, can you just take a second and recognize how incredible this is? Like what you're doing. 
And when he did that, he said he noticed it on the call. And then afterwards he said he kind of had a moment later where he got a little emotional because he finally like let it land what he had done. And so many of us don't do that. You know, like you said, those super successful people, we just think, okay, I just got to keep, keep going, keep going, keep going. Cause like this, like, I'm not good enough mentality got me here. So it's going to keep, it's going to keep me going higher when, when really it's not, it's that whole, what got, what got you here won't get you there. And I think that's one of the big shifts in my own mindset. I'm really focusing at the moment because I think that's definitely been something that's been bottlenecking me a lot because I'm naturally very driven by like fear of failure and which I, I think it's got me a long way, but it's not going to get me to where I want to go. If that makes sense. A hundred percent. Like, you know, even if you just think in the simplest terms of like, when you're first starting your business, you got to like call everyone, you know, and just be like, Hey, do you want to work with me? Like give them deals. You do whatever you got to do. You just get people in the door. Right. And then it's like, it, it shifts into something different. And that's the same with our mindset is like, you got to be super resourceful and scrappy. And like, you just got to like, get after it and then it gets to a point where it's like not anymore now you got to start saying no to things now you got to be really smart about what you're doing now you got to recognize like that you've got to be a leader instead of in like a leader of other people instead of just like leading yourself and like all these things change and you had mentioned that you're driven by fear and i had a really great call with a group call with our clients about like what drives you and um, if anyone listens to Alex Hormozzi stuff, he was on a podcast recently, someone else's podcast, but they talked about this uh, this study they did where they put starving rats in a tube. I don't know yeah. if you heard this. Yeah. And they had the, they had the spring on their tail to see like how much they wanted to like, what was their desire? Um, and they wafted food or cheese in from the other end and they pulled pretty hard on the, on the spring. But then when they wafted cheese in and the smell of a cat behind them, they pulled like 10 times harder or something. And it's like, what is it that drives us? Is it the, you know, the, what we want, like moving towards what we want or moving away from what we don't want. And you had mentioned you've been driven, you're driven by fear. I think a lot of people are, but can we upgrade the fear that we're driven by? Right. So I have a couple of clients who are like, well, I'm so used to being broke. I just don't want to be broke anymore. Right. Well, when you're making like 500K a year, needing to be driven by the fear of being broke is not going to be helpful for you because you're just going to waste money. And like, and like literally, I've done this and I've seen people do this where they, they like need, you know, kind of subconsciously need to get to a place where they're like broke for them to like be driven to take action. So they, find a way to spend all that money and get back to broke. Um, so it's like, can we upgrade the fear that's driving us? So I said to this one client is like, instead of being driven by the fear of being broke, could we have you be driven by the fear of um, not being the man that you know you could be? You know, that's that's still a fear and we can use it to drive us. We got to use the tools we have, right? But it's a much more high level problem or fear to be driven by 100%. did i just blow your mind yeah what would you say for people who are who is stuck in that fear mindset so that's a common thing i see where people always like paranoid about where's the next sale going to come from they've had a slow week um what, what would you say in those circumstances 
Yeah. So that would be, you know, like kind of the scarcity mindset then you're talking about, like, like, I, you know, always concerned that, that there's not enough kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas we obviously want to flip and want to be in the abundance mindset. If that makes sense. Yeah. hundred percent. So there's a number of ways we can look at this. I would, um, I would suggest we go back when, when it comes to that, we go back to what you and I had originally talked about on our first coaching call, which is like, what is the belief that you have that is making you uh, feel this way? Right. Because like, okay, like probably the reality is that, yeah, okay. Maybe, maybe there's some weeks that are worse than others. Maybe there's some weeks that are better than others. Maybe there's some months where the wind is in your face and you know, the sales aren't coming or the leads aren't coming, but like, what are you making this mean about yourself? Because really at the end of the day, again, I'll pull another hormoseism. This was originally from Simon Sinek. Business is an infinite game, right? Like it's not about winning and losing. The goal of business is to stay in business. So if we can just extend the time horizon, we'll be fine, right? Like you've had slow weeks, you've had slow months. If you extend the time horizon over a quarter, a year, five years, that slow month didn't really matter. It didn't really change anything. So can we shift the belief? Because this is what happens. You have a slow week or you have a slow month and people automatically make that mean something about themselves. Generally, what I find is they make it mean I'm not good enough, right? This is, this is the, 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 the number one driver of entrepreneurs is I'm not good enough. And then I'll even say to people, can we just remove that filler word of good? and just get to I'm not enough, right? That's generally what drives a lot of people. So if you're making it mean that like, okay, you had a slow week and that means that I'm not enough, I mean, of course you're going to be in a scarcity mindset, right? Because our brain goes to like slow week, it's going to be a slow month, it's going to be a slow year, my partner's going to leave me, I'm going to lose my house and I'm going to die alone, right? That's our brains are really good fiction writers. You know, they, they write these great fiction stories. So if we could make that shift in belief, which is like, okay, this lack of sales does not mean that I'm not good enough. It actually is a really great piece of feedback. That means that maybe our, maybe something's wrong with our ads. Uh, maybe, you know, Maybe I need to go back to asking for referrals. Maybe I need to refine my system of my delivery system. Maybe I need better systems so that I can actually bring on more clients so that I'm not the bottleneck, right? It's like if we shift from judgment of that thing, right? Because the event actually means nothing. This is another thing. Write this down. All events are neutral. So you having a shitty sales week, totally neutral, doesn't mean anything. What actually, when we, we feel something and we, we do these things and, and get afraid because of the beliefs we apply to this neutral event, right? So it's like, well, that neutral event of low sales could mean a number of things. And if we just got curious and looked at it for what it was, which is a piece of feedback, a data point, then we could go, oh, well, maybe I just need to change this thing. Or maybe it's just a shitty week. Like maybe something happened in the world. Maybe, um, you know, maybe it's spring break in most of North America. And that's why no one's buying because they're all on vacation. Like there's so many reasons 
that are so much different than I'm not good enough or I need to change everything. And I think um, not enough of us just take that step back, right? We're so we're so in it. We're so close to the project, right? I always say you can't read the label from inside the bottle. We're inside this bottle screaming and it's like, just step outside for a second and take a look. Like you're fine. It's all good. Does that make sense? I know I just rambled a little bit. I think um, respecting people, I think what I see a lot from people I work with, they almost need to get out of their own way if that makes sense. It makes so much sense. Like we all, we all need to get out of our own way, right? We, we are the ones who got ourselves into this, right? Through like, like we said, hard work and determination and all that stuff. And then at some point, we're the ones who we're the only ones who can like change, right? New levels, new devils. Like we have to make a change to get to that next level. And I, I, so many people, I think this is going to be on video. So many people want their business to go like this, right? Straight line on an angle up, right? The way business really goes is in these like plateaus. It goes up really fast. Like you get this like growth spurt and then it's generally pretty flat. When it's flat on that kind of plateau moment, that's your opportunity to learn something and to get to a new level. And until you get to the next level, your business is not going to grow anymore. Whether that's maybe putting new systems in place, like like Craig did with you, like putting some systems in place for your business. Maybe that's getting to, to a new level of mindset, right? Like I've done with a lot of people. Um, and I think that's definitely, those two are usually the keys. You need to put new systems in place or better systems in place. And you need to get your mindset on operating on a higher level, or maybe there's any number of things. And then once you make those tweaks, that you can only get from the feedback of of you know having bad sales weeks or whatever all the negative things that's when you're going to have that next huge growth spurt because you're ready for it and that's generally how it works and you know the majority of time it feels like you're not going anywhere but really you're just learning so that you can have that quick growth spurt and that growth moment where you get to the next level and then you have a whole new set of problems which is the fun part because it never stops I think that's one of the things I've had to accept. Well, two, two things I've had to accept. Um, one is there's always going to be problems. You just wait for the next thing. just going to happen. That's just the way it is. And the second one is I remember so something you said to me and I had it stuck in the computer screen for a while was, um, I can't know how you phrase it. It was like, you don't have to do everything. You just need to do the right thing or something like that. Whereas like, sometimes I have so many things going on in my head that I want to do. Whereas like, I was actually in the, the million books I read last week, a lot of them were talking about like energy efficiency and Prater's law of like 80-20. And if you go 80-20, you can like break that down even more of like what really works. So like at the moment, I'm just literally like, what works within our business? Let's do more of that. Like that only, I'm not fucking doing anything else. I'm not starting any other strategies, no other distractions with anything Frank tells me to do. Just do what works, do more of that, do it better and just reach and repeat. Yeah, because if we, if we really do <clears throat> zoom out, and do that. Like, uh, I love talking about the, the 80, 20, 80, 20, where you go, you 80, 20 it. And then of that 20%, you 80, 20, that too. Right. That's when you really figure out, you know, you can do this with your best clients. You can do this with, you know, your best programs, the things that you're doing. And I think that was, um, I'm not sure exactly how we got there, 
But that I think the big thing was, is like, there's always going to be more things to do, especially with, if anyone who follows you, I'm sure is very similar mindset to you, right? So anyone listening, you're probably that type who's like, there's always more to do. I want to, you know, uh, there's so many things that I want to do. And hey, you can do everything. Just know that when you do everything, you're not going to really do anything very well. And you've got to pick the things that are working. Like the best part for you, Charlie, is you, you've got all this feedback now from running this business for some time that you can see like, okay, that's working really well. That's working really well. And that's working really well. Oh, and also like those just happen to be the three things I like the most too. So cut everything else, focus on those things. You know, you may, most people would actually just need to focus on one thing, right? If you're, if your business like isn't at 10K a month yet, you need to focus on one offer, one thing, like that's it. And just crush that offer. Then when you start getting into those higher levels, you know, you can start adding different things, adding different levels, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's great. But really the energy efficiency piece, I think is so important because no matter how much you try and spread your energy, no matter how many, uh, you know, how much biohacking you do or all that, there's only so much energy to go around. There's only so much that you can really focus on. And when you scatter that focus, it just gets so much harder to succeed at any of those things. hundred um, percent. Interestingly, actually, when I was away, I didn't have my phone for four or five days. I came back, the fitness business had done like really well. I come back the four or five days after I start getting involved in like harassing things, it gets worse. So I'm like, what? Well, it was better when it wasn't even here. So it's like, I might as well just not, not get involved with that. So, and, and that's actually an interesting thing to maybe think about is that um, this clearly works fine with me out without me even being here. So what do I actually do when I'm involved? Like, obviously I have the mastermind that I run in the fitness business, but the fitness thing doesn't clearly doesn't really need me anymore. Yeah. And I wonder if there's a little bit of sadness there for you, right? It's like, oh, like, I love this thing. Like this is, this is my baby kind of thing. Right. So again, this is kind of like going, okay, like, well, why then why the heck am I even like messing around with this thing? Like I should just like pull myself completely out, but we have these reasons why we do these things. And generally it's because we want to feel something or we don't want to feel something. And, and I think there's probably, when you look at a situation like that, there's probably a little bit of sadness because you really enjoyed working with those, with the clients that you had. You, you love that. I mean, that's the business that got you where you are right now. And um, if we can just recognize that, become aware of it and go, Oh, I'm just feeling like a little bit of sadness or maybe even some grief. Like you're kind of like grieving this like um, loss of, of, your place in this business. But in reality, it's like you have a great business that's impacting a ton of people in a positive way. And you don't need to be, in fact, it's better if you're not involved in it. Right. But I think that having that recognition that, oh, like I'm feeling this way, uh, gives us permission to like, like, first of all, be okay with it. And then also gives us permission to make a decision that like, <clears throat> based on what you've noticed, based on the feedback, if we look at it objectively, the smartest move is for you to get the hell out of there. Right. But you know, you're going to want to like dip your toe in. Oh, well, what if I just tweak this? And then of course it goes to shit. Right. So 
that's one of the things I wanted to talk about was like using your emotions to help regulate your decision making. Are you okay if I dive in on that a yeah, little yeah, bit? I understand. That's what we're doing here sometimes. Yeah. So like if that that just brings up such a great point, right? Is like so many times we avoid we avoid emotions. I was a hockey player growing up. My dad always said, don't let anyone see your emotions. Don't let anybody see your emotions. And it and it served me in that time. Like you don't want the crowd or the other team to know that you're that you're hurting, right? So just be totally, you know, blank face, do your thing, game face, you know. Um, but then I hid my emotions from myself too. And it was like I had this like wall in my brain where I like couldn't figure out what I was feeling. And there's a, a few good books on this, but uh one of the best ones is called Ask and It Is Given. I think I told you about that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Esther and Jerry Hicks, and they say that your emotions, like your feelings are actually like your best interpreter of what's going on around you. Like it's like a built-in GPS system. It's a built-in guidance system that nobody uses because no one knows how to use it. So if you could just use that to guide your decision-making, you'd be in a such, such a better place, right? So like, for example, for example, Charlie is feeling some sadness about his fitness business, right? So if he were to just recognize, become aware of that and go, okay, what is this what is this emotion trying to teach me? Oh, well this emotion is trying to teach me that like I I my business is better off without me and um I can let go. Right? Well, what an amazing what an amazing lesson to get from a random emotion. Whereas what most of us would do is we just get like angry and frustrated and like, why, why is this happening? Like I'm, you know, keep tinkering with the business, keep playing. Oh, maybe I need to play around with it more. Maybe I need to quote unquote work harder and it keeps getting worse. Right. When in reality, this emotion is just trying to tell you, get the hell out of here. So I, I like to think of it as a, we call, I call it a vibe check. And really it's just like, what emotion am I feeling? In this moment, uh, I use feelingswheel.com because I literally, I struggle to like name my emotions and there's a lot more than just anger and joy. Like most people feel. Um, so what emotion am I feeling? Uh, I like to go like, what, where am I feeling it in my body? If you've ever heard of the body keeps the score, it just gets you out of your brain, right? We try and get logical about this stuff. It's like, well, why am I feeling that? It's not logical. It's it's a feeling. It's an emotion. So like, what am I feeling in my body? Maybe I'm feeling like some tension in my back or maybe I'm feeling in my knees sore or whatever. Or maybe I'm feeling like a lightness. I don't know. And then what is this trying to tell me? Like, what is this trying to teach me? Because oftentimes these emotions, there's like lessons in these things and we don't listen to them. We just try and plow through and that's when it just all starts to go sideways. Do you have any like specific tactics anyone can use to control their emotions? Like, like writing things down or I don't know, is there anything you found that's a good way for people who really struggle with it? Yeah, it's funny. I'm uh, creating a presentation right now on um, like the tools, like the tools that you can use uh, at different points in your business. And so one of them is like, one of the sections is tools for when it feels like shit is hitting the fan. <laughs> so the first, I mean, the first one I would recommend is absolutely what I just said, the vibe check, right? So like <clears throat> whenever you feel like shit is hitting the fan or whenever you feel like things are hard, 
we need to create distance between the trigger and your response. Because if, if something triggers you and you just act without thinking, that's a reaction. And we don't want to be reactive. We would actually rather be proactive. But if we can respond instead of reacting, the difference between reacting and responding is the time between the trigger and the action. So <clears throat> the vibe check would allow you, okay, this thing triggered me, right? I'm, I'm now in feeling this emotional state. Let's go. What am I feeling? Where am I feeling in my body? What is it trying to teach me? And then you can take a more aligned action. Another really simple way uh, is just, just breathing. So like focusing on your breath because that gets you present. And one other thing about focusing on your breath, we like to use this one called the four, seven, eight breath in for four seconds through your nose, hold for seven seconds out for eight seconds through your mouth. And the important thing about that is making sure it's an audible exhale. Because when your brain hears you exhale, that signals to your brain that you are safe. As I said before, where most of us jump to conclusions is, I'm going to die alone. This is the worst thing, right? We jump to these conclusions and our brain goes, we're not safe. So we have to do something immediately. Whereas if we just go and your brain can recognize that you're safe, then you can, again, you can take actions from a better place. You can make decisions from a better place. Um, one other thing, I'll give you one other tool on this front. Um, my wife and I have this thing where when we, when we notice the other person is getting like grumpy or a little worked up in a moment, we'll say real quick, what's three things you're grateful for? And then like through gritted teeth, you'll be like, oh, like, cause you're like angry that they asked you it, but you say three things you're grateful for. I love, I call it a gratitude rampage when you're in like a shit moment or feeling like everything sucks. Can you find something to be grateful for? Gratitude is like a, a drug. It's a street legal drug. You know, you can't feel angry and great and, and grateful at the same time. Like gratitude is such a powerful emotion. So can you just like name three things you're grateful for? Like I'm grateful for my cat. I'm grateful for my house. Uh, you know, and I'm grateful for this computer because it allows me to talk to people like Charlie. Boom. We've now snapped ourselves back into a better state of mind. And we're not making decisions from what I would call like a low vibrational place, right? We don't want to make decisions from a place of fear, insecurity, guilt, shame, anger. We would like, it's better to make decisions from a place of gratitude, knowledge, appreciation, joy, love, right? This is where we want to be making the majority of our decisions from. So we have to take the, the space to get ourselves back into that higher vibrational place. And I'm getting a little woo-woo, but that's me, man. So, um, so I was interested in, Gavin, to know more about your story and the NHL. Yeah, sure. Let's let's. We maybe should have started with this, shouldn't we? Um, so my story is is, you know, go back to like my hockey days. I played uh, junior hockey and college hockey, and I was like one step away from the pros. And really, my mindset is what held me back. Uh, I had a lot of the skill set, but my mindset is what held me back, which is really interesting paradox. But Tim Ferriss talks about how a lot of successful people use weaknesses and turn them into secret weapons and turn them into like, you know, the thing that they do. And that's essentially what I've done. Um, but really interesting story about me is, you know, 
five years ago, 2018, I was definitely washed up. You know, my career was done, but I was still playing like recreational hockey. And I got this opportunity uh, as a this rule in the National Hockey League. So anyone who follows uh, pro sports, the National Hockey League in North America is there's this rule where you have to have an emergency backup goalie in the building. So each team carries two goalies, but it had happened a few times where both goalies got hurt in a game. So what do you do? And there was like some really weird moments where like, uh, a coach would go in net or something like it was just really weird or a player would like put on goalie gear. And it's kind of like, what? This is professional hockey. So what they did, they put this rule in where you had to have an emergency backup goalie in the crowd at every NHL game. And I got the opportunity as one of five or six in my city. We have an NHL team here, the Winnipeg Jets. And you, the rule is you can be the goalie for either team if they need you. Uh, you basically get to go... You get, you take your equipment with you and you get to sit in the press box, have the dinner with the, you know, the media, watch the game. But the rule is if you're needed, you got to go and like put your gear on and basically be a part of that team. So 2018, um, we were, uh, you get to pick your games and I had picked this game, the Washington Capitals, because they had won the Stanley cup the year before. And I just thought I'd love to see them play. So the game's at seven o'clock, five o'clock PM. I get a call. Actually, I got a bunch of calls that I missed from a totally random number. And then I got a text. Hey, it's the goalie coach from the Washington Capitals. We need you call me back. And I'm like, what? So it's like two hours before the game. I'm like going through my normal day. And they're like, we need you. Like, so I call this guy frantically and he's like, yeah, like one of our goalies got hurt this morning at our practice. We need you to dress and like, I would be the backup that like, I wouldn't play, but they need me to dress for the team. So I like fly downtown to the arena, like in game day traffic. I'm like frantically calling my parents like, Hey, you know, this is what's happening. Actually side note, the Winnipeg jets were really great about it. They allowed my parents to come and sit in the press box and see it, which was really, really cool. So I get there. I've got like my old shitty hockey bag and like my secondhand gear from like 10 years ago. And I walk in the door and like all these guys are like warming up for the game and they're like, what is going on? And like, so I go and anyone who knows the NHL would know the name Alex Ovechkin. He's, he's like gonna, he's going to go down as the best goal scorer of all time. Uh, he's chasing a record right now, actually. So I walk in and he's the first person that I see and he introduced himself like, hi, I'm Alex. And like, this guy's like living legend in the hockey world. I'm like, I know who you are. So he's my first introduction. They take me into the locker room. I get like full, I have to do like a full physical. I sign like an amateur tryout contract with $0 by the way. Um, I walk into the locker room. There's like, I have a stall with like my Jersey hanging in the stall with like my name on it already. Like there was like a, a, uh, you know, one of those name bars on the stall and like a hat so that I could wear it during the game. I'm like, this is nuts. So anyway, I got to like be a part of their team, uh, you know, be in the locker room, getting ready for the game. And then I got to go out and warm up with them in like the rink that I was like, a, I was a fan in like two weeks before. And then I'm like on the ice in warm up. And uh, I didn't fare too well in warm up. I got a 
quite a few goals went in, went past me. The first shooter was Alex Ovechkin. Like, like I said, one of the best goal scorers of all time, but it was so cool to like be a part of the team. And then of course, you know, during the game, I, I sat and watched, I didn't end up getting to go into the game, but I got this like one day as a pro moment. And it's such a, it's such a cool experience that no one's ever going to be able to take away from me. But one of the coolest things was, um, I had really gotten into this like five minute journal before that. And anyone search the five minute journal, it's a really cool way to get into journaling. And it was like, you know, what would make today awesome. And every time I had a game on the calendar that night that I was like going to be the emergency backup in, I would write, it would be awesome if I got to play for play in the NHL today. And I, you know, let's go back to the very start. What you think about like thoughts becomes things. I was always priming my brain for that. And I was thinking like, it's, there's a very real possibility that I could play in the NHL tonight. And I was always prepping myself for that. And then, you know, it became a thing. It happened. And I, I think that it's such a perfect example of this thoughts become things because I would write it down. I would think about it. I would literally visualize it. And then it came to fruition and it happened. And it was just, like I said, it was, it was like a once in a lifetime moment, uh, two crazy days after that of like media and all that stuff. And then it, and then it all went away, but I still have the Jersey here beside me. I got a stick from Alex Ovechkin and I just will always have that memory. Did, um, can you still like stay as the reserve goalkeeper or, like on the waiting list after you played once? Uh, yes. However, um, when COVID hit, it all obviously changed uh, or like they didn't have those goalies in the crowd. And then I think I maybe was too old after COVID because they never called me again. <laughs> so yeah, you could, you could still get on because that's why they sign you to what's called an amateur tryout contract because you, you aren't considered a professional still. So you still could, um, you could go in multiple times if they needed you. But I think they basically now what they, they just kind of like got five or six guys that are a little younger and maybe a little more limber, you know, I guess I, I guess I aged out. <laughs> what what would you say is the biggest lesson you learned from that? Okay. This probably isn't going to be what people expect. This is a team that won the Stanley cup the year before, like the greatest trophy in hockey. This is a team that had every reason, like this whole situation is laughable. They had every reason to put me in another locker room, to not talk to me, to basically just, yeah, basically just be like, just stay over there and don't bother us. They welcomed me into their locker room. Uh, They, you know, every one of them introduced themselves to me. They treated me like a part of their team. And I think one of the, the lesson that comes from that is like, how do you treat people who can essentially do nothing for you? Now I was helping them out. Of course, like they needed a goalie, like they wouldn't have had a second goalie. And I mean, they would have been fine. Their goalie played fine and it was all good. But you know, how do you treat someone who essentially can't do anything for you? And they treated me like gold. They made me feel like a part of their team. And like, I'll like forever feel like I'm a part of that team. It's like, it's this really cool thing. It's like, they just kind of like welcomed me into the brotherhood. And I think so many of us get so caught up in like, 
the way things should be and get so caught up in like what we want out of certain things. But really like at the end of the day, like it sounds so cliche, maybe it's cliche for a reason. Like being a kind person is like the best thing you can do. Like it really is. Why do you think so many people struggle to do that? Probably in particular business. I think because we have our own agendas, right? We have like this, like, I need to do this thing. Right. I had a client once say, like, he was having a lot of trouble where he was like in the DMs and creating content and doing all the right things, but it wasn't going right for him. And he's like, like, we talked a lot about his mindset and stuff. And he's like, I think I just need to flip from what can you do for me and change it to what can I do for you? Right. Cause we just get so into this, like, we're selfish, right? Like, it's just the way we are. And we get so into like, what can this person do for me that we forget that like we have value that we can share and that the the most valuable thing we can do is come with a giving hand, especially in the service industry and serve first. And like I said, and you said, be kind when you do those things, it takes a lot of faith and trust that, that it's going to come back. But when you are kind and you come with a giving hand, that will always come back to you 10x, like always come back to you. So I think we we struggle because we think we're on some imaginary clock and we have to do something. And so we put all this pressure on this thing and then it just becomes about us and we forget that that there's you know other people involved and other human beings with feelings involved in these things. Yeah, I think that's... Uh... A lot of lessons to be learned with that, I think. I think before I've probably fallen, fallen astray. Like, so I think sometimes in business, you have to be quite selfish, in particular around, we all have. around you, right? Like it's just the reality, it's the nature of the beast, right? Yeah, we all have. And and it's going gonna, it's gonna to work for you sometimes. And like when we think of like those players for the Washington Capitals, they had to be selfish in many ways to get to where they were. Um, <clears throat> but then there comes times where you get the opportunity to not be selfish. Right. Or like there comes times where the universe or whatever you believe in will present to you an opportunity to be kind and to to put someone else first or to come with a giving hand first. And I think when if you can recognize that and take advantage of that and like, you know, be kind, it's gonna come back in spades, like I said. It's funny, I did a, a sales training call before this podcast, and the big thing I was saying on that was like, it always, it's, it's your duty to sell people into the program because we can help people and change their lives. And like, you not doing that is actually doing them a disservice. And I think that's sometimes where people need to fit their script with a lot of things in terms of like business that, yes, uh, every product, program, service makes money, but providing the product is good is also changing other people's lives. Yeah, I I love that you brought that up. I could this could probably be a full podcast, but if you feel so anyone listening, if you feel you have a good program, like if you feel you can help people, which I would assume you do. And you're on a call with someone or you're talking to someone and it becomes apparent that they need your help, like that they're in a position that they need your help. Like think about that. They need your help and you know that your program is good and you can help them. Like Charlie just said, it's your job. You have to sell them now. 
Don't let your own bullshit get in the way of that. Because when we talk about selfish, if you're going to let your own fears and insecurity get in the way of you helping that person and like literally pulling them out of like a terrible, most likely a terrible situation and helping them get to a better place. Like if you're going to let your own shit stop that, that's the most selfish thing you can do. You've got to overcome those insecurities and fears, recognize what you have is a really good product, recognize this person needs you and get out of your own way and let them move forward with this thing. Like allow them to, to take this leap of faith and do this hard thing. It's funny. So actually just made me think of when I started the mastermind, I never really wanted to do it, but I had two people basically like beg me almost just like force their credit card to me. to do yep. it. And, like, and then I was like, it almost felt like my duty to help them because they were so stuck and had had so many problems with people before that I was like, fine, I'll do it. And then it's funny how the world works in terms of law attraction things and that. And then it turns out I really enjoy that, like more so than fitness coaching now. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Like you said, law of attraction, right? And like, I always remember hearing like, when people are asking you for the thing, that's when you know you have something great. Mm. You know, so like these people, you didn't even know you had something great. They were asking you for it. And then you're like, it's like my duty to help them with this, right? Like, and people, you know, let's even go back to like the sales call or someone's on a sales call or whatever. And you know, no one's throwing credit cards at them saying, I want you to help me. That person showed up for that call. They took 45 minutes or whatever out of their day to show up for that call. They need your help. Like yeah. if they're taking that much time and like they need your help, S help them do what you need to do to help them. Why do you think some people are afraid to sell people? Well, we have this like weird thing that like sales is dirty or sales is wrong. Like that, that because we are, because we are making money off it, that it's wrong. Like if you shift your perspective, like, let's be real. Everyone, most people's perception of money is a complete disaster. Okay. Money isn't even real guys. Let me just go on a quick tangent. Money's not even real. At this point, money is just numbers on a screen. It's not even like paper anymore. It used to just be paper and coins. Now it's just numbers on a screen. So let's just like get that out of the out of out of the picture and recognize that what money really is is it's it's an energetic exchange of value, right? So Charlie is running a mastermind, let's say, and and he says I can help you with all these things. Well, if you can't in return help him with something, then the way that you exchange value for that is you'd give him money. Like that's basically how money came about is you don't have goats to trade for his cheese. So you exchange money, right? So let's recognize that money is an exchange of value. So actually, if you, if you are making more money, that means that you are providing more value in the world. It doesn't mean that you're selfish. It doesn't mean you know, anything bad about you. In fact, it probably means something good about you, especially if you're doing like service industry, if you're in the fitness industry or whatever it is, right? It probably means something good about you. So I think what we need to do is we need to shift our perspective around what money means. Because so many of us grew up in a society that basically made money and rich people out to be the enemy. I know I did. Um, 
There are people, there are people who make a lot of money who are not good people. There are also people who don't make a lot of money who are not good people. So let's just recognize that being rich does not make you evil. You know, making a lot of money does not make you bad. In fact, it probably means you're just providing more value to the world. And something I like in that as well is the you get paid according to the size of the problem you solve with someone, which I think is an interesting perspective, right? Yeah. Like I think I used to say this in my when I was doing some fitness business coaching similar to what you do. I said, you know, I promised people that I could get them to six figures, right? And so that solves a pretty big problem, if especially if they're not making much money right now. But if I had promised them that I could get them to seven figures from where they were, the price tag would have been a hell of a lot more because I was solving a bigger problem. And when you think of like fitness, right? You know, we think that we're solving this one problem of like fat loss or muscle building or whatever. That's not a very big problem in a lot of people's minds. The problem you're solving is lack of confidence, uh, a poor relationship with their partner because they have no confidence and feel like shit. If you can save someone's marriage, that's worth a shitload of money, right? Yeah. Like there's the that, that even actually comes down to sales pool. Like I actually said this from training calls before. It's like people don't people ask why they want to get in shape, but they'll say, "Well, I just want to have abs for summer." Anything else? Like why do you want to look like that? Because the reality is, you want that for a certain reasons. You want to look a certain way on the beach so you can attract those women or so your partner's attracted to you again so you feel a certain way there's always another reason behind the why and i think people have like a smoke screen that you need to break through if that makes sense yeah and you almost need to get you know speaking of like getting to an emotional place you almost need to get that person to kind of have that there's always a moment when whenever i because i employed that exact strategy on sales calls is like just keep asking why basically until you get to the point where they're they feel something, you know, where, where they kind of like open up and they go, you know, and the, the perfect example is like the woman who's like, Oh, I just want to look good in the bikini, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you ask why like five times she's like, well, cause we were at the beach last week and my husband was looking at this woman in a bikini and he doesn't look at me like that. And I want him to look at me that way. Like, Oh yeah, now we got now, now we know what it is. And now we're at, now we're solving a real problem, the actual problem. Yeah, there's a, and that is a real problem in Dubai. It's like staring at people like that. And it, it does <laughs> but um, but, yeah. that, that, but that's a good example, though, of like finding out what the real issue is. And I think it's almost the same probably when people come to you, Gavin, in terms of like, they'll say, I have this issue, but sometimes it's not a real issue, I presume. 100%. They'll be like, uh, and actually, we we had this on a on a call, our, our, our like marketing meeting this morning is um, one of our sales guys said it really well. Like, a lot of people come to us saying they have a leads problem, right? I'm sure you get that too. I don't have enough leads, all that stuff. They really have a leadership problem, right? And if we can help them, <laughs> yeah, it's good, right? And if, if we can help them recognize, like I asked the question to a new client last week. He said he wanted this certain amount of, of clients so that he could get to this certain income level for for his family. And and I said, I think he said it was like 17 clients or whatever. I said, great. So if I drop 17 clients in your lap today, how are you going to do? And he's like, Ooh, uh, I'd be super overwhelmed. I'm like, okay, so this isn't actually a leads problem. You don't have the right systems in place. You're not a good enough leader to like, you know, have a team. The real problem is 
this other thing. It's not what you think it is. And then they're, they're like, they recognize like that's, that's the actual problem that we're solving. Right. Mm, 100%. Um, I think that's a good part to start to finish off. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Kevin? Um, <clears throat> not necessarily. I think, I think <laughs> the one thing that I'd like to add actually is this. You're going to probably be nodding your head a lot while you're watching this. Like, oh, this is good stuff. Do something. Do something. Like, I, I went on a few rampages. Take some action on this. And if you have questions, you can reach out to Charlie. You can reach out to me at GavinMikhail1 on Instagram. Like, do something. Don't do nothing with this information. Just go do something. That's the number one thing that I can leave people with. What was it, Craig? said action beats anxiety. Success loves speed and action beats anxiety. That's right. Okay. Uh, thanks very much for your time, Gavin. For everyone who enjoyed the podcast, make sure you leave a five-star review. Watch it on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe, like, comment, learn any questions. Um, we'll see you next episode very soon. Thank you.